0: Welcome, and thank you for tuning in again to Geekery in General from Point of Insanity Game Studio. How you doing? Yep, I'm not too bad. Unfortunately, I do have some bad news to start this episode. You remember Dan from Radio Free Borderlands? The
1: sexiest dude on the show. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's back. Yeah. How's it going today, Dan? I'm good. How you doing? Sexy. Uh, uh, okay, this is off to a bad start.
0: <laughs> We're going to start is, over. So it's about 7... No, don't start no. over. This is too good. Okay. So it's about
1: 7 o'clock at night right now, so here's what I'm thinking. You're going to change it up. This is geekery in general. After dark. <laughs> you. Uh, okay. You, uh, you ever play uh, you know, some some strip Monopoly? Huh? 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 Uh, uh, Do you ever... Slowly play? slide that off every time you hit Illinois Avenue? Hmm. Huh. <laughs> oh. No, there's no amount of, 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 of nakedness that could make Monopoly not want to kill each other by the end of the, sh- by the, end of the game.
0: Yeah, it's, Monopoly is just one of those
1: games that. Monopoly is one of those games that you play if you want to start battle in your living room. Yes. Because it never turned. Every, every game of Monopoly I've played has resulted in animosity amongst the players, sometimes a punch.
0: <laughs> I've never played, Mon- well, I haven't played too many games of Monopoly, but it's never actually gone that far, but one of the things that's interesting... Then you never
1: is- played with a jerk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i played with you, no, just kidding. I'm not. Um, oh, G-
1: for- for- for-
0: Mic drop! No. <laughs> but Well, when you talk about Monopoly, one thing that is actually kind of interesting about it is, I mean, you've got so many um different versions of it now. I mean it's yeah, you've got your regular monopoly, but I've seen Star Lord of the Wars Rings Monopoly, uh you know, Looney Tunes Monopoly, Star Wars Monopoly.
1: There is uh, a D and D monopoly. There's the City Monopolies, you can go you can get into the New York and Chicago, Milwaukee. There's all sorts of them. 'em. I've seen like NFL Monopoly, MLB Monopoly. And I highly disagree with that one. The Yankees do not deserve to be boardwalk. I hate the Yankees.
0: Well, we're getting off topic before the show even starts. Yeah, but but it
1: is important to say, I hate the Yankees. Well, here's the thing. Sports are just as geeky, if you think about it. People are just as obsessive to a point of obnoxiousness. You know know how difficult it is for me to to, to make the time to be geeky about geeky (laughs) and sports? (laughs) Well, it's very difficult.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, it is true, because, I mean, you get people who they're just as passionate about, you yeah. know, the Packers or yes the, right. the Bears, the greatest team in the uh, football team in That's America. That's wrong. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> but you're uh, still in mourning because Brandon Marshall's going to the Jets.
0: Yeah, I know. And I, I don't know. I personally miss Brian Urlacher. Wait, why are we talking about sports on a show about role-playing games and stuff?
1: Because... It's fun.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: um. I mean, look at the people who go to, you know, football games. They wear the jerseys. They wear the little fake helmets. Um. That's kind of cosplay, if you think about it.
0: Kind of, yeah. You know? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there are people that do get, you know, they they take their, you know, sports just as seriously yeah, as, I have as we take our role-playing I have old Milwaukee
1: games. Brewers, Princefield, New Jersey. I'm kind of built the same way, so I <laughs> look like a white version of Prince Fielder, and that probably needs to go up. No, I'm just kidding.
0: Okay. It's not so bad. All right. Well, so now that we've wasted uh, almost four minutes here uh, talking about things totally unrelated, Let's but,
1: talk about liquor. No. Um,
0: okay. Well, liquor can go hand-in-hand hand with gaming, too. But anyways, on to today's topic, which is... we're gonna Dan and I are going to talk a little bit about uh, the artwork of Dungeons & Dragons, because...
1: Otherwise known as porn with chains.
0: (laughs) I don't think I'd go that far, but...
1: Depending on the artist. Cough, cough, Clyde Caldwell, cough, cough.
0: But, you know, for those of us who've been gaming for a while, you know, one thing we've certainly noticed is that, you know, yeah, you look at it, the artwork for D&D has gone through stylistic changes, and I'm sure there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, Part of it may be just being able to hire, you know, better artists, or they just might have more of a budget to devote to art because so if a you couple look,
1: cases less
0: <laughs> cause, i mean if you look at some of the earlier like the uh the first edition AD&D handbook you know that I'm, I've not. I want the Jeff. Well, did you want the Jeff Easley cover? Let's Does cool. that is the interior for that the same as
1: it's the exactly the same? It's only yeah. the cover was changed. Let's go back a little bit further, if you don't mind. Nineteen seventy four, mm-hmm. the white box. This is the original version of the game. This is the one that told you that in order to actually play this thing, you needed to buy the Wilderness Survival game. <laughs> um, the Wilderness Survival Guide? Yeah. Yep. No, no, no. Not the Wilderness Survival Guide. It was a game called oh. like. Wilderness Survival or something like that. I think it was made by Avalon Hill. Hmm. You needed that. It said, I did not to know that. To play the game, it was really messed up. Um, most of the artwork in those books, those like the little, they, they're like you know what do you what do? You, what, remember when you made the chap, chapbook style? Yes, chapbooks. Yes. Yeah, they're about that size. There were three of them in the original box set. Most of the artwork done in those was hand drawn by either David Sutherland. Who you're gonna hear about probably later on. Yeah. And um and, and and Dave Arneson. He actually did some of the artwork like monsters and stuff early on. Um and it was really, really
0: bad. Well, I don't know if I necessarily say bad. It it had a very cartoonish style and as I, I believe there were some of the pictures from uh, oh. The early books that were eventually published in the comic mm-hmm. section of
1: Dragon magazine, mm-hmm. like some of the first edition stuff, was pretty good. I'm talking strictly the white box. Was okay, three. I haven't seen the white box, Bad. so yeah. <laughs> okay, but first edition. Now the cover, I believe, was done by David Sutherland. That's the one with the big idol. Yes. And then the other one with the with the Afridi, I think that was um. Tramp. Dave Trampier, who had just passed away the last year, or the year before.
0: Yeah, and I, like I said, I haven't seen the red, the white box, so I'm not, I can't speak to that. But uh, I mean, I know one of my first uh, impressions was, of course, the, the AD&D first edition handbook, and as we were talking before the show, it's like some of that stuff looked like the kind of thing you doodle on your notebook in the middle of math class because you were bored and
1: the cover artwork in the first edition player's handbook actually reminded me a lot of some of the paintings you were doing in art class
0: oh yeah and again it wasn't i wouldn't say it was bad it's just it had a very specific style to it primitive yeah primitive and um i mean i don't know if it was necessarily anything having to do with the artist style but they just may have not really had much of a budget and yeah, I'm pretty
1: sure they didn't have a budget, so and so much of the budget in those books in first edition was tied up in the um, the fact that they decided to use that textbook hardcover binding, mm-hmm. which is very durable but very expensive. Yeah. So they probably didn't have as much. Um,
0: you know, it's interesting you talk about the binding and the durability. Um, I have a friend on Facebook who uh, he made a post where he was saying that his first edition, uh, you know his first edition player's handbook and his first edition books have been through like, you know, tons of game sessions and moves and all sorts of other things and they're still intact, but yeah, his fifth edition handbook came apart, started
1: to come apart after a few months. I've heard with some of the later, or with some versions of the, the that player's handbook there are some issues. I have, um, I have all of them and my 1978, which is the new, with the original first edition one, that's probably in better shape than the second and third and fourth edition handbooks I have.
0: Yeah. And but but back to the topic, but yeah, the, uh, so, I mean, I know some of them were, mm-hmm. had a very cartoony feel like, I think it was in Monster Manual 2, the entry for the Giant Lynx, for example, mm-hmm. they had a couple of adventures not far from a a link, you know, a link, since it's like, mm-hmm. what do you mean we have to talk to it? The last monster we talked to ate half the party. And oh, yeah.
1: Of I liked those was, cartoons.
0: They were. And, I mean, of course, another classic one was of, there was a wizard holding a rod that had a hand on it. And it said, well, it's either a wand that allows a wizard to throw the various Bigby hand spells, or it's a plus-two back scratcher. We're not sure which.
1: Mm-hmm. There were some... You know and the thing is a lot of people liked you know they discussed the primitiveness of those first edition stuff. There were some really good artists out there they oh. had their own style, like Errol otis mm-hmm. um did he do Deities and demigods deities and demigods cover he did he did the Cthulhu Mythos um, pictures too because mm-hmm. he was really good at that weird look right yeah it would have fit in heavy metal magazine it really would' have. he had a very very distinct Style and um, if you ever pick up some of the Dungeon Crawl Classic modules, the Goodman Games makes them. Um, he actually still is okay. doing like cover art in that style, and it's really cool. Yeah. Um, there's also Jim Rosloff, who. Do you remember the picture of Thor in the Deities and Demigods with the Mjolnir smashing? Oh it down. yes, yes. That was him, and his stuff was awesome. Very comic book, but like better than some of the comic book. <laughs> The stuff that was going on in the late 70s um,
0: yeah and well you bring up the late 70s i think that's another thing that really explains the style you know we have to keep in we have mm-hmm. to keep in mind the uh the time context or the 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 trends in art at the time and that's something that we're going to get to when we talk more about third edition let's
1: but, let's take a good look at the artists and the even the game designers and the players bunch of, bearded college guys, (laughs) probably ex-hippies. So what you're getting is uh, a very psychedelic vibe. Yeah. And what that's what you see in the in the in the first edition because I split first edition and second and third and fourth. So, we're going to I I'm going to go like I'm s- just specifically talking about what I call one first edition 1.0 which is before they re-released the first edition books with the easily covers. Mm-hmm. So, we're talking that old style, right? Yeah. But there's a very Very large amount of psychedelia in there, it feels
0: like. Eventually, like it. Yeah, and of course, eventually, it did start to, uh, the the style did Mm -hmm. start to transition to a more uh, realistic style. Like, for example, the, I'm sure you probably have the first edition uh, Oriental Adventures. Yeah. Uh, That one in there is an example where, again, the art style starts to move away from this psychedelic to more of a car- more of a comic book as yeah. opposed to a cartoon real, style.
1: Real quick, one one other just one other artist I really want to just want to want to mention my appreciation for from back then was Darlene Peckwell or I think that's how you pronounce her last name. She signed all her stuff as Darlene and okay. most of her she was she was listed on most of the stuff as Darlene. Mm-hmm. Um, she did remember on the DMG she did that picture of the unicorn she did a lot of pointillism.
0: I'm trying to remember which one that was. Uh,
1: and there was also, like, a couple of the pictures, like, like I said, a lot of her stuff in the in the Player's Handbook from DMG was pointillism style. But she also did those amazing um, full-blown poster maps in the original World of Greyhawk box set. Yeah. Those things are basically their art. Yeah, and
0: because that's one thing I do remember. I think it's almost a lost art in a way, mm-hmm. the box set. Because uh, I mean, usually the only box sets I've seen recently are the starter kits, where it has like, okay, here's four or five pre-generated characters, here's a scenario you can run through. Thank you for your twenty bucks.
1: I'm um, curious to why they stopped making these.
0: Think it had to do with cost, or
1: I think it partially had to do with cost, and I think a large part of it had to do with. um if your players or your team are not watching where they're going, there is a giant buttock print where your box (laughs) used to be. So for the sake of, well, I don't want my stuff squashed and wrecked. Yeah, I know, I guess... I I miss the box set.
0: Yeah, I I think we're probably going off topic again a little bit, but in a way I miss Mm -hmm. them too, like, I don't know, because I remember Mm -hmm. getting the box sets for the basic D&D and the expert set where, you know, again, it was cool. You had the player's book, you had the game master's book, and then you had the you know, an adventure, uh, keep on the borderlands, of course, with basic D and D and then, uh, Isle of Dread for expert. Yeah. And did, uh, do you now? I believe you have the, the box sets for the, uh, companion and masters, correct?
1: I have all four of those. Those were, see the original box set came out in 77 and then they redid them with, the basic and expert sets in 81. And then in 83, they redid those again.
0: Is that where they used the, the Elmore, Larry Elmore yes, cover? with all uh, five of them are
1: the Larry Elmore dragons and stuff. I have all five of those. Um, the one that was hardest to find was not the Immortals box, but the Master Rules.
0: So now, did the Masters and Companion set come with a uh, pack and adventure, or was that they, just
1: the... They did not. Okay, so it was just um, basic and expert. Yeah. <laughs> Companion, Master, Immortals did not... Um,
0: But one thing I, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, one thing I would, the Jeff, or I'm sorry, not Jeff, uh, the Larry Elmore, mm -hmm. the Larry Elmore cover, uh, it shows a picture of a warrior fighting a red dragon in this vast room just full of treasure as far as the eye can see. You should have wore that t-shirt, I have that on the t-shirt. It is, it's again probably one of my favorite pictures that, not just of Larry Elmore's, but one of my favorite game pitchers in general. Uh, just the perspective is awesome. The mood it does is awesome. And one thing I thought was kind of cool is when Wizards released a, like, a... I know they released a box set for 4th edition where they did the red box and they used the same cover. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool That was they their, that.
1: Yeah, they, they did that, and that was their introduction to the uh, Essentials line. Um, a lot of the stuff you're talking about now, like Oriental Adventures... And that all kind of came in what I refer to as for, uh, 1.5, okay version of First Edition. First Edition ran just fine without that stuff. 1.5 is where you start looking into the, the new rules introduced in Unearthed Arcana, mm-hmm. and everything afterwards almost required the use of Unearthed Arcana. Yeah. But that's kind of where, like... Probably near the end of the original line before they redid all those covers was when they picked up their first of their hotshot new artists. Yeah. Uh fella that you, you players might know by the name of Keith Parkinson. R.I.P. Poor guy. Um, Parkinson started doing artwork there, and then they picked up Elmore, Easley, Caldwell. Those guys, f- probably between 81 and 93, 94 when some of them started branching off and uh, doing a lot of freelancing stuff, a lot of people think, oh, this is the big four. Those are the four artists that everybody remembers, you know.
0: Yeah, and then now you mentioned, of course, 1.5, and uh, again, from the rules perspective, I know this is where – this is one of the things about 1st Edition that, you know, I like it, but kind of drove me nuts is how they had all these rules in different places, and as we move to 2nd Edition – that's one of the things that I like about 2nd Edition is how it brought a lot of these rules together mm-hmm. and put them into one book.
1: Numerous books in 1st Edition ref- start referencing a concept of the concept of Thacker, which I don't think we should get into. Yeah, But what I will mention is this. They bring it up in all of these books, and this is like two, three years before 2nd Edition came out. But I could never find the actual original reference to Thacko so they can explain it as as an option to replace the matrices.
0: Yeah, (laughs) because I know it's like I believe in the first edition, wasn't it like the hit matrices and the saving throws were in the Game Master's Guide?
1: Everything was in the DMG. Gary said the reason he did that was because he wanted the players to know as little as possible. He felt that by doing so you would um, allow for more magic Intrigue and surprise in your players,
0: and more work for the game master, which is why I personally didn't like that that uh yeah. that style. Because you know, again, if I'm a game mastering, if I'm running an encounter with say twelve orcs, mm-hmm. okay, I've already got twelve characters I need to worry about, so <laughs> but no. I don't need to worry about doing all the attack rolls and saving throws for my players too.
1: So then, the, this so this one point five style of first edition came out. And for the Player's Handbook, DMG Monster Manual, and Deities and Demigods, which ended up getting renamed to Legends Lore, they did they they redid the covers. All of these covers, including the rest of this, the the late first edition stuff, uh, and 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 just so you guys know, the ones with the yellow spine, kind of a goldish yellow spine. Unless you leave it out in the sun too long, then it starts looking pink. <laughs> I don't know why. Is that um, the voice
0: of Experience talking?
1: Yes. <laughs> Both most of those covers are all done by. Uh, Easily. Yep. And Um, they are awesome. Yeah. The one I figured that you would drool over the most is the new legend, the legends and lore with, um, Odin riding into battle, he's cool. got Hugin got and Munin, and he's riding Schleipnir, and he's got, he's got Gugger hanging it. up, and it's just like, that is the most badass thing I've ever seen.
0: Well, of course, anything that's, you know, if you're going to make a picture of Odin, of course it has to be badass, you know.
1: It, it, it was pretty
0: awesome. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of those Jeff Easley covers, like, another one that I remember, and again, this is a, another one of my favorite pictures, Monster Manual 2. Where it had the picture of the guy fighting the giant. Yes.
1: Because
0: there was a guy named Joe that I used to hang out a lot with when I was a kid. And his older brother was into D&D. And this was before I really got into it. And I remember he had the Monster Manual, too. And when we were in this basement, I remember Mm -hmm. seeing that. So, yeah, that's... And, again, it is just a really cool piece. And
1: so, The thing um, is, is, one thing you'll notice is... With those books I mentioned, they recovered. They didn't change the 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 um, the insides. They kept mm-hmm. all the original artwork. Everything was formatted the same way. And I go a step further. The Monster Manual 2, which was released after the fact, was the the interior was specifically designed to look very similar to the original Monster Manual. Whereas then, if you look at the Unearthed Arcana, and and I I guess to me like the graphical stuff is 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 just as much part of the artwork. Um, Unearthed Arcana starts to to really play with the the formatting and the stylization of the text and make starts giving it its own feel. Um, actually, the Greyhawk Adventures book does that really well. It was one of the best-looking first-edition books I remember seeing.
0: Yeah, and I haven't seen that one in a while, so I don't remember mm-hmm. exactly what it looked like. But I don't know. I just never – I have nothing wrong with the Greyhawk setting. I just never got into it for some reason. Um, I mean, I've played a couple of adventures that were written for it, but like I said, it's not one of those
1: it, systems that it was partially. I feel like that was part that was because it was partially abandoned. Like they released stuff for it, but they did it just. Um, they didn't really give it the proper service that it deserved back when we started playing yeah. in the late '80s, early '90s. I think that was. Um, I almost feel like that was a stab at Gary.
0: Yeah, that's but- unfortunate because um, I. Th- as I recall, it was actually a pretty cool setting. It had some awesome good things setting. going for it. It's just that, I don't know, and I think we've talked about this before on your show, or I know we've talked about it, just the two of us. For some reason, the stories, the couple stories I did read with Greyhawk, I don't know, I just couldn't get well, into the story as much as I got into, like, the Forgotten Realms mm-hmm. and Dragon's Dragonlance novels that I read back in the day.
1: Um, Part of it, again, I... I they didn't really set it up right, because the, the the Dragonlance books came out before the Greyhawk books, and, you know, they set it up, you know, they had these, the, the trilogies, you know, Dragonlance Chronicles, Dragonlance Legends, so then when they started doing these Greyhawk ones, Gary wanted to take them, and he wanted them, because he loved Greyhawk. These first two books, um, Saga of Old City and Artifact of Evil, um, featured a character named Gord the Rogue, and Gord was awesome. The characters in there were awesome. You, you got... Um, you, Melf who you know was of course, Malphasero, and... exactly. <laughs> he was in the second one. It was they were very well written. They were very interesting. Um, they moved. They really got you. Then the third one came out, and this was after Gary had been ceremoniously dropped like a bad habit. Um, and they were written by Rose Estes. Yeah. And Price of Power, and there were four more, and they were less. They were okay. I read them. I I struggled, and I was like, no, I'm reading these things. I wanna, I want people to say I read them. I don't know anybody else who's read through these things. Um, and they centered around a character named Mika Oba.
0: Was that the guy with the demon
1: hand, or the demon hand? Yes, he was the wolf shaman from up north of uh, like near Dev and stuff, mm-hmm. and he was just a rotten human being. It's hard to get into a story when the main character is completely unlikable.
0: Yeah, that that can certainly uh, affect it. And I think again, we I know both of us are big fans of the uh, Dragonlance Chronicles, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that I think made it really easy to get into. Uh, Chronicles is just the the characters in that series were most of them were very likable, even the or relatable.
1: Even, even the villains were kind of likable, Raelin oh, yeah. and Kitiara mm-hmm. in their own ways. Dalmar. Mm-hmm. But get yeah, back to the artwork. Even yes. those lousy Rose Estes books, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the covers are pretty good.
1: They, the, the Cl- Clyde Caldwell covers were awesome. They were yeah, very, and, very well done.
0: And I love the the Dragonlance Chronicles covers were all really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one for. The new one. I mean I know they did re they did make a new cover of for Dragons of Autumn Twilight.
1: I like with, the original. Yeah, I the original
0: will. you can't Larry Elmore. You the can't best. beat it. <laughs>
1: the one that really always just got me the most was the cover of Time of the Twins, the first of the Legends books, mm-hmm. where Raceland in his black robes, is he's got one armor yep. on, Crisania, and he's got the staff of Magis and he's just got this look in mm-hmm. his face that's just so perfect for Raceland,
0: of course. And and game art, it's especially well, it has a number of purposes in that in a, like a game book, like a player's handbook, but and we can talk about that in just a moment. But I think it's except, especially important in a novel because I mean that's pretty much well you've got so you've got a 300 page novel you know there's usually not going to be much in the way of interior artwork mm-hmm. um, there might be maybe at the start of a chapter a small little picture because I think Chronicles had those little pictures yeah
1: they were done by Dennis I'm going to mangle his last name I apologize Bouvez B-O-U yeah the AIS, something like that.
0: But, yeah, usually you had the front cover and the description, the blurb on the back to get you hooked into that, and And that one did the trick.
1: You know, like, it looked like, here's Raceland, you know, using this poor, you know, good-aligned cleric cleric to weave his wickedness. That's what the book is about, and that's Mm -hmm. what the cover is telling you. Yeah, You can judge that book by its cover. Awesome.
0: (laughs) And the uh, like I said, I I remember uh, I used to have some of the cards, the Larry Elmore trading cards, I and else. I know he was saying he was commenting on the one of uh you know Dragons of Spring Dawning where he thought the dragon in the background looked like it was dancing. And,
1: oh yes. But um, speaking of,
0: and another one that again just all uh, Larry Elmore just did some wonderful work for the Dragonlance one, and another one of my favorite ones was the the companions. Where it had the heroes of the Lance sitting around the campfire, that's one of those things that just that that does it for me. Oh,
1: that that was used for the Heroes of the Lance box set. I know yep. which one you're talking about. That was a great picture. Yep. Um, it some of the characters in there, I I was saddened by the fact that they just kind of felt like they were thrown in after the fact. Mm-hmm. Like one of the characters in the Dragonlance series that I never felt like got his um, artwork due. I would have liked to seen more of him. Was Ray, uh, Riverwind. Oh and, yeah. And and Flint.
0: Yep. Yeah, they were kind of. I know they were kind of. Because a lot of the series really focused on Caramon, Raceland, Tannis, Lorana, Gold Moon. But yeah, I know they were. Flint and uh, Riverwind were just kind of mm, there.
1: <laughs> R- Riverwind, the thing about him, when you started, you kind of didn't like him at first. He was very uh, standoffish, kind of very stoic. By the end of it, um, when he and Gold Moon. Let, uh, stayed in Calaman while everybody else went to to to, to get Lorena. Spoiler alert for a thirty-year-old <laughs> book. Um, you know, I I I was more sad to see Riverwind go than than yeah. than Goldwin. I liked Riverwind. He he was a very good protagonist in the fact that he, unlike a lot some of the other characters, he really did change. And I feel like in some ways he changed the most. Yeah. And uh, the
0: again, we talk about the purpose of game art inside an actual, like, player's handbook or a rule book, it's actually quite important for a number of reasons, because not only does it help break up the monotony of mm-hmm. columns of paragraph, but uh, artwork can also be very helpful for reminding yourself where to find certain things. Oh, and like it, if, let's say, yeah. there's an important rule about combat, and if they put a picture of an elf and a dwarf fighting a dragon, mm-hmm. just as an example, um, you know, you might kind of, uh, you know, train yourself, okay, if I need to find this rule, I look for this picture. Mm-hmm. I, like, I know with the second edition player's handbook, uh, which we, we'll get to in just a moment here, with the second edition player's handbook. And you
1: thought this would be a short topic. Yes, oh, I, I yes I, love, I know I love we're, the artwork.
0: Yeah, we're almost to uh, the 28 minute mark mm-hmm. here, half hour mark, and I know before we start recording quick, I'm like, well, Dan, this is probably going to be a short topic, but yeah, okay, uh, uh, probably not, but 'Cause like one of the pictures I always look for whenever I'm looking for the non weapon proficiency table, there's mm-hmm. the one of the half lane that's just kind of sitting back in an inn. Um
1: the one where the toes look all skewed. Yeah,
0: this is Yeah, I and, remember that one. And this yeah. is in the original version of the second edition, not the re release version. Nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, not the reprint. Yeah, not the pre reprint with the uh, the black covers. Yeah. Which I don't know.
1: For some reason well, since
0: we have well, to transition we'll to, to second edition, yeah. Um uh,
1: my big thing is is that the, the the artwork in the player's handbook and the DMG should inspire you. Oh yeah. You should see it. I I have actually seen art, and, and I'll get to that specific thing in a minute because it's in a later book. But it you should be able to look at it and go that gives me an idea. Oh yeah. Second edition. Um, you know they added a couple of artists, and second edition, much like first edition, was just as hit and miss. But I think it was more hit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Second edition. Uh, this is where again it's more. Since we're in the eighty you know, late eighties and transitioning into the nineties, we were past the part where the you know, the, the trippy psychedelic style from the seventies, early eighties was had fallen out of favor, so now we start to get into the more of the realistic
1: style. I which, wouldn't go that far either. I, I'd probably say what what you got with uh the one point five and early second edition was uh, you know, let's, 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 let's call a horse a horse. That was cheesecake. A lot of it was cheesecake.
0: Yeah, they did have the, I think they did have tend to have more of the artwork where the women with the, you know, chain mail that doesn't cover the, the midriff.
1: Uh, probably the, the, the biggest violator, the biggest, you know, um, um, distributor of cheesecake would have been Clyde Caldwell. Oh, okay. Because he's and, very good at it.
0: Yes, and you want to explain what the term "cheesecake" means, uh, for anyone out there who might not know.
1: Uh, basically, scantily clad, voluptuous, beautiful women for the male audience. Yes. To look at these books to ogle.
0: for that fourteen to uh,
1: fourteen 90. and up
0: demographic. <laughs> fourteen to ninety. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, I, I, my personal opinion is that yeah, the artwork that we started to see around the You know, the late 80s um, through the end of second edition's run, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of it was really good. For some reason, the re-released versions of the Player's Handbook, uh, again, this is one of the black cover. I liked the cover art, but the interior, most of the interior art just didn't do it for me. Um, It had more of a sketchy appearance,
1: more of a rough appearance, I guess you could say. One of the things I want to mention, too is uh, there were a couple of real, like, unsung heroes of artwork for 2nd Edition, especially the first run, one of which um, was Fred Fields. That guy was amazing, and he never got the credit he deserved because he was working there at the same time that you had Easley, Caldwell, Elmore, and Parkinson. What happened was they started... those guys started to leave. Mm -hmm. 93, 94, most of them were gone. I think Easley was the only one who stuck around. Um, The sketchy stuff was done by a guy named Ken Frank, Um, and he's very divisive. Like, when I hear people talk about the artwork online and stuff, there are people who like his stuff and people who hate it. Same with Laura Lakey's artwork, which is the stuff that kind of looks almost like photographic um, watercolors. I, I can't describe it any differently than that. And Gene Meyer. Yeah, Gene Meyer did those things that look like wood car- carvings in the original okay. second edition stuff. Some people absolutely hate hate that stuff. I thought it was okay. Yeah,
0: and one artist from this time, um, I believe she did have some artwork in the re-released second edition, but the main place I know her artwork from, and I know you've I've told talked about this uh this product with you several times, mm-hmm. is a basic D and D product that was released in the like, late 80s, early 90s, called Tall Tales of the Wee Folk.
1: Yeah, it was this 87, 88,
0: somewhere. Um, her first name was Valerie. I cannot remember her last name.
1: Valerie Velusic.
0: Yes, that, something like that. But, yeah, she – I, I love her artwork for Tall Tales of the Wee Folk. Um, and for those who, since we've gone off topic tons of times in this show, uh, but that happens a lot of times mm-hmm. in my show anyway, but uh, for those who may not know, Tall Tales of the Wee Folk – Uh, was part of the Creature Crucible series in Basic Mm. D&D. In the later years of Basic Dungeons & Dragons, because, again, for those who may not know, Basic D&D was supported from the start in the the mid-70s all the way up until, like, 90... Was it, like, 93, 94? Keep going,
1: 96. 96 96 was when the black box... Ended and they pretty much just used that first quest it was ninety four ninety five it was somewhere in there
0: yeah so they supported it for a long time because TSR used to do mm-hmm. the two tiered approach where you know they decided well we'll introduce the advanced stuff for the people who want more mm-hmm. you know tactical okay. options for the game but we're still going to keep doing the original basic yeah and uh, the Creature Crucible series was a series of uh, four supplements that included information how to play monsters as players
1: there was night howlers
0: yep which was were creatures
1: toballista
0: ta- ta- i have that one which takes place in the f- a floating city yeah and the main
1: i like the artwork, cover art on that one it's kind of yeah. silly it's cartoony well, a yeah cuz the was the, the last one
0: um the sea, sea people. people actually i think okay the first one was tall tales of the wee folk yeah I, the one. second one i think was sea people and I can't remember if Top Ballista or Night Howlers would... Night work. Howlers
1: was the last one. Okay. Because that came out after the Rule Cyclopedia, and they 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 did all of their branding changes at that time. So yeah. that was the one that had the different branding styles. So,
0: yeah, I know um, mm-hmm. the... Because, yeah, uh, Valerie's style in Tall Tales of the Wee Folk, again, it was more of that late first edition, early, you know, second edition, realistic mm-hmm. style, really captured the mood of a fairy uh yeah. fake creature campaign. Oh yeah. Uh, cuz uh, Tall Tales of the Wee Folk was playing woodland races like treants, mm-hmm. satyrs, uh, pixies, uh she uh and then uh you also had uh, other woodland creatures like centaurs, shahal. were there brownies on there? Yes, brownies, leprechauns. So her style really captured the mood there and then uh the and as I said, I know she also did some other stuff in 2nd Edition, but...
1: Yes, she did. She did some of the trading cards. The cool thing about 2nd Edition was, is you know, they had all of those um, campaign settings. And a lot of those campaign settings, what you started to see was there would be one or two artists that really oh, yeah. take them over. Like Dragonlance. Larry yeah, Elmore. A lot of them did them, but you think Dragonlance, are right? you? You think Larry Elmore, mm-hmm. easily with Greyhawk, um, Caldwell... For second edition Forgotten Realms, um, Brom Dark Sun, Bar- Brahm did which Dark Sun we have to talk about Dark Sun, <laughs> Dark Sun and Planescape, because
0: um, didn't I think we talked about this once before? But didn't Brom's style for Dark Sun and Planescape kind of lead into the style that they adopted for third edition?
1: A little bit, I'd say more Planescape than Dark Sun. Dark Sun was meant to be very like I almost felt like they were like let's. Let's let's take take all of the space stuff out of Dune and fit it into D and D. We can do that, right? Yeah. Um. Because <laughs> yeah, very cool. savage, very brutal, primitive, brutal. It was called the War World before they mm-hmm. gave it a name. Planescape started to get some of that tinkering, almost uh, steampunkish. Not not ste. Oh, not steampunk. But I get where you're going. Um. Yeah. Very. <sighs> I would almost call it like freak show style. Okay. I'm not saying that in a bad, bad way. It's not bad. Yeah. I really, I'm not. Brahm is a Brahm is awesome. Oh yeah. Um, I could not. I he, mean, he's another one of those unsung guys from Second Edition. Although by the end, he was he was very very well.
0: Yeah, because I would say that uh, again the the style he captured for Darkson I think mm-hmm. fit that that setting perfectly mm-hmm. because again it was very it's a very savage brutal. Primitive setting because it's just a far cry from mm-hmm. the traditional, you know, medieval, uh, middle age Europe setting yeah. that that we're used to with most D and D settings.
1: Now here's the thing: we're talking about like how with the the black covers, which a lot of people refer to as two point five that's where, much like 1st edition, where you start having to use the uh, Unearthed Arcana and 2nd edition stuff, that's where they they gave us those player's option books, which just turned the game on its head. Not necessarily in a bad way, but sometimes not in a good way either. Um, Between 95, when they did that 97, which is the Day of Reckoning, we'll get into that in a little bit, they started, they they were laying off people left and right, so they started reusing artwork, they started uh, picking up people on the cheap, and and the artwork seemed to suffer. Yeah. On the day the, of yeah, reckoning... Just didn't have the budget for yeah, it. <laughs> on the day of reckoning, when TSR was purchased by Watsi, and based on what I've heard in my own theories of business, Watsi pretty much had to be bought by Hasbro, because I don't even think they could have handled TSR's debts, because those guys did no business from a paper bag. Mark my words, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it was Lorraine Williams, it was that, this, that, and the other thing. You talk, Gary Gygax even said this at one point before he passed away. He saw the end of the company after Don Kay passed away in 1975. He knew it wouldn't last, but that's another story That's another in another
0: story. time. Maybe another podcast. <laughs> but,
1: but what you'll notice is, as Peter Adkison started bringing in some of his Magic: The Gathering artists, he started putting more into them. There's uh, Paul Jukes who did some of the. Um, he did the there were the monster, like monstrous Arcana books, uh, you know where they did they did some on Sahagan, they did some on uh, Mind Flayers, and they did some on uh, Beholders. He did the one. Mm-hmm a really awesome picture of the Sahagan. Um This is when they picked up, for 2nd for, for edition, they picked up Todd Lockwood, who's considered one of the Masters now. Um, right around that time when they were releasing Birthright stuff, and so a lot of the Birthright stuff was done by a fella who, if you're a newer player, you probably recognize the name William O'Connor. He started doing stuff around that time. He's been around ever since. Um, so it definitely got better when TSR was bought out by WotC with artwork, even in 2nd edition. Then you get to 3rd... Yes, the style that... There's definitely an argument to be had. Some people liked it, some people hated it. The
0: the term that... Yeah, because the term that I hear tossed around when describing 3rd edition, Dungeon Punk, where... Everyone's wearing spiky armor and using impossibly large weapons and, you know, again, more of the cheesecake style armor for women. Well, not well, maybe not as much as it uh, wasn't edition. as bad.
1: Peter tried really hard to get him to stop that. Um
0: But I don't know, said that we you talked earlier about how art has to kind of really set the mood for you. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, third edition's artwork, it didn't do it for me. It didn't capture that that feeling of epic fantasy that the first and second edition
1: artwork did for me. Um, I agree with you to an extent. It was hit and miss. Some of the stuff that was way overblown. I'm gonna put, and I apologize if I make your 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 listeners angry, but um, I, I will take responsibility for this statement. <laughs> I blame Dan. Pl- at I radio free blame, borderlands. I put the blame on Final Fantasy VII. And those stupid oversized swords, yeah, I still won't i that game still honks me off, and I feel like the popularity of that game is what turned you know they started to maybe subconsciously doing things more in that over over the top style because mm-hmm. um, Lockwood was good, Lockwood was one of the best things they had, him um he this this other one was a little over the top too sometimes but his talent you can't deny was uh this is where we were all introduced introduced to Wayne Reynolds Wayne Reynolds is another one of those guys that he's associated with a particular setting this time Eberron just like you know you think Elmore Dragonlance you think Reynolds and Eberron again
0: okay, i'm not familiar with Eberron so okay. I i can't speak to that um, setting
1: but the forgotten realm stuff st- a lot of the artwork seemed washed out, like somebody spilled coffee on it almost. <laughs> I, I hate to put it any anywhere different than that. And I know a lot of it was done by Todd Locke. wouldn't have been talking you know, him up, but when, not everything he did was great.
0: Well, when you talk about the spilled coffee look, it's, again, third, the third edition player's handbook. It didn't do it for me because I didn't like how they had the... Um, you know, that, like, semi-notebook appearance in the background. Yeah, I know the you like the and lines. I also didn't... This bothered me. I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. they did a lot of wrapping of the text around the pictures where they would have the picture right in the middle of a page and all the text wrapping around it. Well,
1: oh, that never bothered well, me.
0: it's kind of... I mean, it'd be kind of cool if they did it every now and mm-hmm. then, but the problem is they did it just about every single page, and it got... I don't know. It just didn't do it.
1: Another another thing I really liked about the third edition, the three point five artwork, because this is one where yeah, it pretty much was similar all the way through. Was you remember at the beginning of a lot of the chapters they would have this very realistic looking um, pencil art. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was some great looking. That was some yeah, of the best. That, that some didn't the bother best, me. Best art of third edition was that 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 pencil art, black and white pencil art they had. Um, I did not like the covers. I didn't mind the logo. I thought the logo was pretty good, but I didn't like the they were fake. I didn't uh, like fake the, tome covers. I didn't like the fake magic book look. Yeah. I just didn't. And when they it, it was better when they when they used it but still had cover art mm-hmm. on some of the books like uh, I'll, I'll use some examples, the complete series in 3.5, complete warrior, complete adventurer. There's still artwork there. That it got better but some of it was just cheese balls. Sorry. Yeah. I,
0: I, like I said, I, I haven't seen as much of the third edition mm-hmm. artwork, but so I, I, that I admit, but mm-hmm. like I said just maybe I've, I've just seen too little of it, which is why, you know, again, I, whenever I think third edition, I think of that, that dungeon punky style where, you know, it's not, as
1: mm-hmm. it, like I said,
0: it just doesn't yeah. conjure up the image of knights in shining armor going on, you know, quests and, it just seemed like everything was that the artwork was designed to be more action oriented, almost like they're trying to cater to a, gen, a new generation. Yeah, And again, they were. maybe yeah, where they were used to more, uh, more action oriented games uh, than, mm-hmm.
1: but you know, than we were. And, and hear me, I think part of it is is maybe like I wouldn't have minded a little bit of that over the top stuff if it would have been a little bit, or if it would have been based in yeah. the setting X or whatever. Um, but it was the fact that it was just widespread and, and, and I'm going to get to this in a little bit, but like, if you go back to like first or second edition, if all of the artwork would have been done by Caldwell and it was just, you know, oh, here's a and d book, titties, you know, <laughs> I think we would be saying the same thing, ugh, cheesecake, D&D cheesecake, um, so, I, I I don't necessarily think the artwork was bad. I think they just needed more variety mm-hmm. in order to, you know, to, to to cater to the multiple types of players there are. Fourth edition.
0: Well, this is one where I think we disagree a little bit on. But again, I haven't seen much in the way of fourth edition material. Personally, I liked a lot of what I saw for fourth edition. I thought
1: the artwork was way too. Formula. I thought the artwork was too rigid in how they did it. If they described a class, the artwork was done by William O'Connor. William O'Connor is a decent artist, but he has a very distinct look. And when everything had that look, I started to get really irritated with his artwork, to the point I hated the guy's guts. (laughs) Now in 5th edition, he still does. Not personally, just He still does, but now now it's like I can see William O'Connor artwork in 5th edition stuff, or even 3rd or 2nd. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a nice picture. But in 4th edition, it just drove me nuts. Half of it was his. The other half was all of this Wayne Reynolds stuff. And it was done, all of the covers had to be done by Wayne Reynolds, it felt like. And they were all, it it felt like they were trying to out-Pathfinder-Pathfinder. Yeah, and I,
0: So you, because did well. I'm not. Have you ever played Pathfinder or seen any of the books?
1: Yeah, and they're all done by the all most of the Pathfinder covers are done by Wayne Reynolds.
0: Because I think yes. Because I, I've I have never played Pathfinder. I've seen the books in mm-hmm. stores, and it seems that the some of the style from Pathfinder kind of feed fed off third edition.
1: It did. Um, it was very. I thought it was a very uh anime style mm-hmm. again. Um, the, there were some good pieces of art, though, like hiding in 4th edition. William O'Connor did a really awesome piece of the, the the group of adventurers going down this set of stairs that were zigzagging down.
0: Is that the one where they have the dragon and born it's in just the just
1: humongous. You just saw the breadth and scope of this dungeon, where it looks like it, the picture itself looks like it spans 20... 20 different stories. It's just huge, like, just carved mosaics in it. And this is badass. Um, another artist, he, he was around for 3rd Edition, but you started to see some really good stuff from him. And 4th was Wayne England. Um, and he comes back for 5th Edition. I know that.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I liked about... I like how with the 4th Edition, the Player's Handbook, and I think it's the Game Master's Guide, mm-hmm. they have... or Refresh me if I'm... Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Because... They had the picture of like it looked like some kind of an elf and a dragon born on the cover of the player's handbook. Correct. And then they had yeah. another one of the covers where there was someone gazing in a crystal ball it was that a had the right, yeah. and that actually was kind of a nice little throwback. I like that. Yep, that was kind of a throwback to the uh, the early days because there was the, the basic the basic,
1: basic D and D um, and expert yep box sets. The ones with the covers done by Earl Otis were like that too.
0: Where, yeah, the basic one, it had a picture of a, a warrior and a wizard in a, a cave fighting a dragon.
1: Yeah, and then and, the second one had a had an evil wizard looking at, at them. Or,
0: and a, yeah, through a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. So I thought that
1: was kind I of I thought cool. it was cool, too. Um, fourth Edition also did a hell of a good job with formatting and design. Um, the books, the covers, the, the way that the pages were laid out was... Awesome. Yes, you will not. It was very, very good.
0: You won't get any arguments from me there. Um, I'm not a huge fan of fourth edition personally, but I I did like the the rules themselves. Yeah, I I did like the artwork in fourth. Overall, I loved
1: the artwork in fourth edition, at least what I've seen, Mm -hmm. and I
0: did like the format.
1: Um, and the cool thing was is that the spines in the fourth edition books, you could just tell by the color of the spine. Who that book was meant for. That was a really cool thing they did. They had the blue spines, those were player books, red spines were DMs books, green spines were monster manuals. Um the Forgotten Realms books all had a particular spine colors and things like that. I really think they did a hell of a job. Uh the guy who 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 was in charge of their art direction, John Shindahetti, I met him at Gen Con a couple of years ago. I thought he did a great job. I I think it's too bad he's not with the company anymore.
0: Well, Let's move on to 5th edition, which, they, of course, they have. there's not um, a lot that's been released for 5th edition yet, so we don't have much to critique, but from what I've seen, um, I like. I, the, the cover
1: of the player's handbook there, just double check, I believe it's Tyler Jacobson. Uh,
0: let me grab it, I've got my 5th edition player's handbook yep. sitting to my left, and I do like how... One of the things I do love about the mm-hmm. the okay cover Tyler Jacobson. Tyler Jacobson the, on this in this fiery scene, illustrated by Tyler Jacobson, the fire giant king Snurri, suffering no fools to live, calls his hellhounds to join him in confronting unwelcome guests in his home. Which of course is a a shout out to a classic uh, first edition adventure against the giants. And, <laughs> and I have to read this. I'm sorry. I love this disclaimer that they put in there. Disclaimer, Wizards of Coast is not responsible for the consequences of splitting up the party, sticking appendages into a mouth of a leering uh, green devil face, not to Tomb of Horrors, accepting a dinner, dinner invitation from Bugbears, not sure where that's, if that's something specific. Uh, Still funny. Yeah. Storming the feast hall of a hill giant steading, again another shout to yes, against the giants. the giants, angering a dragon of any variety, common sense no matter what fantasy game you're playing, or saying yes when the DM asks, are you, are you really sure? <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> Sorry, uh, I love that. <laughs> back to, but the uh, Dungeon Master Guide is, that that's another throwback to an old module. Um, the, the lich on the cover is a Serserac yep. from Tomb, Tomb of Fires,
0: Yep, That
1: is one of the cool things with 4th edition and 5th edition, where there have been a lot of shout-outs to previous stuff.
0: And I like, personally, I like how they do that, because it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's as I said, it's the, something that older gamers like us would appreciate. In, in you the know? fourth
1: edition player's handbook for the the Rituals chapter, picture of a dead, dead fighter, and everybody who's played other editions would look at that and go, uh, that was iconic character, like, what was it, Regdar or something like that. Regdar mm-hmm. the fighter from third edition. There was a picture where you're overlooking this scene of a dead woman with these incense holders and candles and all this stuff surrounding her, and you just—and that's when you realize, oh, that is an up to down shot of a pointillating uh, uh, picture from the second edition of player's handbook from '89. Hmm. All of the editions, first, second, third, and fourth, all had. A version and, of, a, of, a, of a fighter trying to bang down a door as a skeleton's crawling through the water to go get him. Um, and, I think that's cool.
0: Yeah, and I know they had one where they did kind of a reverse scene from the Idol scene cover from 1st uh, Edition.
1: That was the 2.5 Dungeon Master's Guide. The black cover, DMG, had that. Yeah, um,
0: yeah The but getting back to 5th Edition, from what I've seen... The only thing, there's two things that I'm not too fond about with the artwork in this book. The first, and we talked about this a little bit, the, oh will mm-hmm. pass you the book here. Thanks. First, the halflings. The, how the head of the halfling, that halfling in the racial description section, I don't know, just too big.
1: Oh, I'm going to tell you right now, you are not the first one to say that.
0: <laughs> and so that's my, that's my, my first complaint. My second one is. I I don't. I notice they don't do this for all the elves, but some of the elves have the really exaggerated ear lengths. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I do like how, though, the dwarves, uh, they don't pitch. The dwarves, I thought, look really good.
1: Well, one of the things I noticed was uh, that they really went out of their way to allow the artists to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as like in 3rd and 4th edition, it really felt like they were adamant about, it needs to look like this. For this one, they let the styles come out. So there's stuff that reminds me of 2nd and 1st edition stuff. There's stuff that reminds me of 3rd and 4th. Um, this picture, if you have a player's handbook for 5th edition, go to page 35. This the is gnome? the coolest gnome I've ever seen. Yes, the and gnome. And I know that... it's a female gnome, but it actually, this, this particular picture of a gnome actually inspired my first 5th edition gnome ranger character that i made (laughs) another
0: picture i like in there i think it's in the spell description section Mm -hmm. they have like i think it's like a gnome and a chalkboard Mm -hmm. so that you know explains the different um area of effect so i don't know i personally like that one
1: the i can i can point out a picture from like each of the editions that i really to me just speaks a lot um First edition, yeah, you kind of go with that cover from the original yeah. player's handbook. Second edition, my, my favorite was always the Larry Elmore picture on page two or three, where the
0: the party on the small
1: dragon. Yeah, they they yeah, killed they killed the, they killed the dragon the young dragon, they have them stringed up, they have the little thing in there, all very pro- I love that picture. Uh, fourth edition, again, it was that one that <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> they actually used in fifth.
0: You know, they should, too, Larry Elmore should do a follow-up to that mm-hmm. picture of the adventures of the little dragon. Mm-hmm. The, the, the aftermath of after Mama Dragon finds out what the oh, adventures no, did do to the baby.
1: <laughs> but fifth edition, one of them, it's in the DMG, and I wish you had a DMG because you have to see it because it reminds me so much of some of our old high school games. This group, I think there's a dwarf in it, there's a female elf, and there's a male ranger. And the male ranger, he's kind of squatting down on a rock and they're all kind of looking down and it was done in a very almost classical um, Hildebrandt style art and that ranger every time i see it i think that's shadow
0: <laughs> shadow was uh one of my a ranger character that i uh had back when we were one of
1: yours yes. that was your ranger man that guy was awesome yes
0: cuz back when uh dan and i were uh you know when we used to game more often uh, we back in like middle school, high school, you know, the group we had, each of us had that one favorite character mine was Shadow of the Ranger. So her character.
1: Yeah, he was cool. Yes. Don't don't knock him. Man. And I liked him.
0: Yeah, when I you know, when I finally get around to creating a fifth edition character, that's sort of I, I should create a human and ranger. Shadow the fourth. <laughs> yes.
1: This one here um, also page sixteen, you got just like you were mentioning with the oh, Dragon yeah. line thing, these guys they're sitting around a the campfire. Oh, they yeah. look like they're just talking. I oh. like it. It to me like, I can look at this picture now and say, inspired.
0: Yep, and, you know, this is not a piece of game art, but the style and the mood just fits fantasy art perfectly. There's a heavy metal group, Blind Guardian. They're awesome.
1: Um, and
0: somewhere far beyond, isn't at the cover with the where, again, they've got a group of adventurers sitting around it a campfire. It looks very
1: similar, but instead they have some sort of navigational tool where the fire is supposed to be. Uh, most of those covers were done by an artist named Andreas Marshall. Um, he also did some artwork for Hammerfall hmm. and a couple other groups. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, another uh, Dragonland or not Dragonland? another um, Blind Guardian cover from their live one of their live albums, uh, where it had a picture of them outside of an inn, and it was all like the a The fan- tavern, yeah.
1: it set on it. Yeah. Yes. Um, that actually brings me to a question I'm going to ask you. Hmm. All right. Artists that never did work in the game. Because I want to do this topic, and we're probably going to say these exact same things. So, um, artists who never did artwork for the game. Go. Who would you have wanted to see hmm. do artwork? I can give you a few names.
0: Well, I don't know if Boris Vallejo has done...
1: Very little. He yeah, may I don't... have done one piece.
0: Yeah, because I don't know... I don't know many artists outside of gaming. Um, I mean, I probably
1: you'd recognize. I'd their recognize work. the work. Yeah, before obviously, Morris Vallejo, Julie Bell. Um, see, there was. I would have this... loved to see Frank Frazetta before he passed away. Frank Frazetta. Do uh, for some of you who are like, I know that name. I should know that name. Best place to go and find his artwork is look at some of the er, uh, some of the album covers by Molly Hatchet.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the. Of course, to get the anyone who's done the that person you mentioned who's done the Blind Guardian Andreas covers, Andres Marshall.
1: Yeah. Um, another one. Another one would be for me Ken Kelly. Ken Kelly did Kiss Destroyer, Derek Kisses Riggs. Love Gun. He did the Man of War covers. If you like the Man of War album covers, yeah, Ken Kelly. Derek Riggs, Iron The Maiden. Iron Maiden yep. guy. He also does work for um, Gamma Ray now. Okay. A lot. Uh, Melvin Grant is the other Iron Maiden guy. Um, I, I'm i one of the people who kind of likes some of the psychedelic stuff, so I would have liked to see Roger Dean do something for D&D. Um, for those of you who don't know who Roger Dean is, he did a lot of the cover art for Yes and okay. Asia. Um, very psychedelic. You You're already picturing the weird-looking... Almost Dr. Seuss-style landscapes with floating trees and stuff. (laughs) Yep, that was Roger Dean.
0: Actually, one thing I noticed that I've seen in quite a few uh, of this, again, the psychedelic first edition basic artwork, for something with, for some reason, the boots. A lot of times you saw boots that had these weird, like, flowing things come off of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know why. That was just kind of a reoccurring thing that I saw every now and then, so... I don't. I don't. Did people wear boots like that back in the seventies?
1: <laughs> Maybe. I mean, in the eighties, a lot of the artwork. Apparently, the women couldn't afford to buy a full set of chain. Exactly.
0: Mail. Well, uh, like I said, we're. Uh, I'm looking at my recording uh, clock here, and we're almost to an hour. So yeah, this has got to be the longest short topic I think I've ever uh, had. So, I think we're gonna call it. Unless you have anything else you want to add for this topic, Dan. No. Well, I think I've said enough. Uh, yes, you have. No, just kidding. So actually, there's one more thing you can say. Where can people find you if they want to hear more of your sexy voice? Oh, you
1: love it. You can go and check out <laughs> Radio Free Borderlands on iTunes. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. I am going to leave it there. Well, plug your stuff. This I, is your show. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> I think I
0: will plug my stuff. Uh, POIGamestudio.com is my main website. You can also look up Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook. Please like the page. Again, if you have any ideas for topics you'd like to see me cover, if you want to have any, uh, have any other comments, please feel free to leave them on the Facebook page, or you can contact me through my website. You can get the uh the podcast on podbean you can also get it through itunes now instead of having to just download it through uh drive through rpgs or drive through stuff i think is what they call it now so thank you again for tuning in and sitting through this long episode as we probably got off topic more times i think than i ever have in a single episode but that's okay i hope nah. you guys enjoyed it have a good evening morning afternoon whatever it is wherever you are and happy gaming bye